Our next guest, Jeff Burstein, is coming to us from the United States. Jeff is an innovator, founder, consultant, speaker, and enterprise agile coach with over 20 years experience in helping companies and government agencies discovering a better way of working. The 2020 pandemic precipitated the birth of a new company. IQ for Agile was created to bring solutions to the crisis facing worldwide educational systems. The company directive is to change the education sector from legacy, rigid systems and pivot them to function and succeed at high level in our new reality. Jeff initiated the collaboration of leaders from both the transformation and educational space to develop a new scaling agile framework called LEAF.org. It can best be defined as an emerging open source agile framework designed around the complexities of education and the education sector. The goal is to meet the unique complexities inherent in educational systems and to switch the conversation to a student-centered focus, creating truly pool-based educational systems. Welcome, Jeff, and thank you for uh, accepting the invitation to have you as one of our guests in this VUCA Leadership Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I certainly hope that I'm able to contribute some amount of value. Amazing stuff that you are uh, working on. Uh, great experience. And uh, before we start with um, the, some questions that I prepared for you, uh, please tell us a bit of uh, your background. Where were you before? Uh, how you came up with uh, the agility and, uh, and, the, and the VUCA as a, uh, as a framework. Sure, and, and, I'll, and I'll keep it real short because I'm sure you're, uh, you've already heard of it, a little bit about it. But uh, I, I started out in industry as a project manager and I really wasn't very good at it because mm -hmm. of all of the work that was involved in talking about the work that other people were doing and sticking to a plan and not really focusing on the customer. Um, I had started, uh, you know, exploring agility in early 2000, right after the manifesto came out and, uh, you know, found that there was some similarity in thinking and realizing that it was really just a matter of mindset. So fast forward, you know, a bunch of years and now I do large scale transformations in organizations, did one for a, uh, local financial company where we were able to prove the productivity of their team of 250 people by 16 times, not by being more complex, but rather being more adaptive, right? Um, and now fast forward more years and you have the, the, you know, the pandemic hits us and we're one week into remote learning in the USA and I have two high school students and the systems crashed. Everything came down. They couldn't support the infrastructure. They had never tested it. VUCA, right? A little volatility, right? And I was thinking to myself, well, gee, I help companies, government agencies do this all the time. I bet you I can help schools do this. And that was really the, the birth of the idea. Okay. So who benefits uh, from educational agility? 
So, you know, that's the great thing about, uh, you know, educational agility or really agility in whole is its primary focus is delivering value to the customer by ensuring that the people who are responsible for that value are themselves, you know, able to be adaptive and, and living their best lives because they can focus on the addressing of new, you know, new problems. So it really is the entire ecosystem, right? If you look at the work that's being done in industry right now, in the United States, it's over $22 billion a year, and it's going up from there every year. Mm -hmm. Exponentially growth in companies learning how to react to various means of VUCA. And agility is simply the, the umbrella of the mindset of, you know, what we've been calling it now for the last 20 years. But before that, it had names, right? There's nothing new under the sun. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. I certainly don't have to tell the, you know, tell, tell your audience in Greece, right. Who have been innovative for thousands of years, right there, you know, so it's really, how do we in a digital world, which in and of itself is comprised incredibly of challenges and changes, how do we create better systems within systems and human systems to manage that? And if you go back to, you know, early lean thinking, get it in the system as early as possible. So we want the students to benefit, obviously, because it's their lives. They're the ones who have to get ready to face the challenges of tomorrow. We want the teachers to benefit. I don't know how it is in Greece, but here in the United States, there is a shortage of teachers. Okay. School districts all over the United States are missing 10, 15, 20% of their teachers. And they are asking the ones that they have to do more and more and more. And we are experiencing what's called burnout. Even the UN recognized that there is such a challenge to education educators right now because of all the learning loss that we experienced globally over the last three years, right? The systems that support teachers, right? The administration, the staff, they benefit. Right. Okay. We've seen it in industry for over 20 years. I mean, go back to, you know, post-World War II Japan and you saw it in Toyota, right? How they were able to, through the, you know, Toyota production system, go ahead and address the, the VUCA that, that it, it existed when having two nuclear bombs dropped, atomic bombs dropped on cities in your country. Mm -hmm. Right. And then going from there to being, you know, leaders in manufacturing. Right. So it, it's, you know, it really is a benefit to the entire society, industry and every stakeholder, right, who currently benefits from an educational system. Simply one that prepares its students to meet the challenges of, of a digital economy. You know, someone could uh, could say that, OK, the, the comparison between the, the Toyota system and uh, what is going on in the educational system is not uh, is not a good example because Toyota has a production line and uh, what the production line is the, in, in the education. So, I mean, uh, materialistically. Sure. And so this is what has been the beauty of agility is what we've noticed over the last 20 plus years is the nature of the work doesn't matter. It started all 
with software. How can we build better software and enjoy building better software better for our customers? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, one thing is we can't, we, we have to give up the notion that we can go ahead and predict what the environment's going to look like six, nine, 12 months, 24 months from now. We can't even tell you what it's going to look like next week. Exactly. Right? You know, so it doesn't matter what the value is, right? We're actually moving away as we move out of the industrial and manufacturing part of the industrial revolution and we move into the digital you know, economy, we're finding that it's not so much about what you do that delivers value to society. It's how you do it. It's the systems that you have. It's the people who manage those systems, right? And it's how well aligned you are with what your customer and your ancillary stakeholders are looking to get as a point of value from your organization, regardless of what you do. And we've done this work now in, you know, started 20 years ago, software development. Now we do it in every part of an organization. So mm -hmm. I work with marketing departments. I work with, you know, the, here we call it human resources, the people who do all the hiring, firing and own all the, here's how you work it with other people in a company so that we don't get sued, right? You know, those people, leadership, finance, it's, it's, it's moved well beyond software and it's moved well beyond industry. I've done government transformations, both at the federal level, mm -hmm. right? Working with the Department of Energy, right? The, the Department of Defense in the, United spend, in the United States spends over $100 million a year teaching their teams how to work in an agile approach. Why? Because the nature of the way that they engage the world needs to be able to deal with complex and adaptive systems, which means you can't have experts. You can't have people who are sitting in Washington going ahead and solving problems for, you know, for, for people who are boots on the ground anywhere in the world. Mm. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, teaching that and seeing that it it doesn't matter the nature of the work we've done it with uh you know state governments here mm -hmm. even done it started doing it just over the last two years with you know within the local government structure the districts schools of schools right the local all the schools in a given city which could be anywhere from you know four schools mm -hmm. to you know 400 schools Right. And it's all about, hey, this is a complex and adaptive system. So what is the, the value they receive um, at the end? Right. So, you know, again, it, we're really looking at who the who the individual stakeholder is. Right. For students, it's clear they're actually prepared to meet the challenges of today. Forget about mm -hmm. tomorrow. Right. Those challenges are going to keep getting more complex and adaptive. Right. If COVID taught us anything, it's that having a plan that is pretty damn useless. The ability to plan. Right. The ability to come up to test a theory, to test a hypothesis, to move quickly, to reduce waste within the system. That's what's important. Right. So students, 
they're they are ready right we talk a lot here in the united states and and over in parts of the eu with some people that we've worked with and and down in in asia as well talk about future proofing our students mm -hmm. you know teaching them the skills and the capabilities that they need because anybody can go on google and look up okay when did this thing happen mm -hmm. I don't know when it happened. I was never really good at when did things happen. Now it doesn't matter, right? I could just, hey, Siri, when did this happen? And Siri, I better, oh, I better make sure Siri's off, right? Like, what can I help you with, right? You know, Siri's ready to jump in and tell me what happened, when it happened, who was involved, more than I ever cared to know, right? So the knowing of things is not that important. The ability to do things and apply that knowledge is, right? So, you know, students definitely. Teachers, clearly, they are stressed. I don't know how it is, again, in Greece, but I know here in the United States, in Canada, in Asia, where we, we've done work, we've worked in, we have, we have teachers that we've worked with in Spain, um, you know, over in the Middle East, right? They are all telling us the same story. It's like, hey, COVID really uncovered a lot of problems and everybody's looking for us to solve it by doing more, right? And we have to realize that teachers are no longer cogs in a system they have to be the kind of knowledge workers who own a system and their responsibility is to improve it with the people who are most local to the problem which is surprisingly not in government it's the students like yeah. we are finding here through our teachers with the data showing us is that when you involve the child in the education, they will pull it as fast as they can and as comfortable as they can, right? They will take over agency and guide their own education. And that just frees up the teacher to focus with students who might need a little more help. Right. And it becomes not so much about here. Can you tell me when this happened? But it becomes more about, hey, can you have a conversation with us about why that happened and what we might do going forward to avoid things like that happening again in our society or how we might take all of this electronic waste and go ahead and find simple and easy ways to recycle it? Mm -hmm. So that we're not going ahead and having to pull more and more precious resources out of the earth. Right. I mean, and you challenge the people who are going to be responsible for it, because if you start with a student is, you know, in third grade, fourth grade, you know, first grade even, and you start giving them simple ideas to think about, mm -hmm. you give them access to the tools that they're going to use every day, which surprisingly are computers, things like this, right? There's big talk about this now, all the artificial intelligence. Let me tell you something for schools that are thinking about, oh, artificial intelligence, don't let the students use it. You are handicapping those students for the rest of their lives because they're going to have to compete with jobs with, against students who are adept at using the tools of the future to solve the problems of the present. That's amazing. Right? Any, any statistics from the work that you have done until today? Uh, I mean, that uh, according to the transformation and how uh, students used to be and how they adapted in the new uh, kind of reality. Sure. So, you know, we are gathering that data now, you know, bearing in mind, right, this started just a couple of weeks into the lockdown, the global lockdown of the pandemic. And, and for a while, 
you know, our journey to get here involved going, hey, you know, we've been doing this in industry for 20 years. You should try this. And like, we're not industry. That's not what we do. You know, we don't build a product. We're not Toyota. Right? Mm. We don't build software. We shape the young minds of today to solve the problems of tomorrow. And that was for us a big like light bulb because they don't. They shape the young minds of today to solve the problems of 100 years ago. Right? Fall in line. The goal is to get a hundred, compete against your, you know, classmates. There can only be one number one, right? But that's not how the world exists anymore. You know, so we are we are collecting that data now, and we're beginning to come out with some of the, uh, you know, the case studies that back mm -hmm. up. But we are seeing improvements in the speed of learning, uh, mm -hmm. the ease of teaching, right? The efficiencies that it introduces into the running and management of education systems okay that's nice and uh, this by having the the teacher contributing to, to that but also the students correct exactly right when you look at agility what agility values is the team the participant right mm -hmm. everybody has a voice everybody has to share in the commitment be aligned on the vision the mission the goals where are we going when are we getting there right it's all about short learning cycles of plan do check adjust right oh what did we learn well we learned we were doing the wrong thing we often tell the story at, at leaf of all the wrong things we did for the first year year and a half because it took that level of failure mm -hmm. to introduce something that had never been really needed before. And that is amazing. What was the most um, interesting, playful, uh, exciting uh, project that you have uh, gone through by the time that you came up with the idea? From the perspective of working with education or working just in general? so. You know, we had started down the idea of doing something we called early on Kanban for kids. Mm. Right. And it was, you know, it was a way of teaching teachers how to simply leverage Kanban in their classrooms. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, right out of the Toyota production system, right? <laughs> right out of it. Right. It's nothing new. Right. You know, you know, and then and just leveraging some of those things now we went through it and we had great reception we presented a lot on it at some conferences and everybody's like oh my god this is amazing it's so great it's visual you know it's got simple rules it's kind of playful so the students you know are easily engaged and so we went ahead and we said all right this is it we we've got it we're ready to go let's go ahead and launch and we went ahead and put out a uh, thing all right get your you know get certified in kanban for kids using kanban in the classroom it does all these things and all of a sudden it's like no one wanted to talk to us anymore <laughs> right we had invested all this money in 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 advertising and you know reserving we were going to do it in person and it was just it was like walking into an empty arena and just go where is everybody everybody thought this was so great Right. And so it, it really for us, that was a tremendous failure that we really got to the realization, you know, we were about 10 months into the journey and it was like, wow, you know, what we learned is that teachers don't need one more thing to do. Okay. And what is that they need? 
what they need is they need less stuff to do. And so that's where we pivoted to what turned ultimately to be a big success, where we paired up with this uh, group of teachers who ended up starting up their own company called the Agile Mind, where they mm -hmm. work with teachers and educators and they teach them this way of working that we call learning flow. And what it is, is we've simplified the approach of learning and broken it down into learning systems that now teachers don't have to do more, they have to do less because it engages their students in very distinct six practices that are easy to learn and very engaging for students we have found at every level. And we now have teachers who have done it from third grade to postgraduate, you know, where you're getting your master's degree here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and not just here in the United States, it's been done and tried in different, you know, in different parts of the globe, Latin America, out in Europe, over in Asia, out in the Middle East. And, you know, each with the teacher going through a journey, they go through their own personal learning journey where they're exposed to these learning systems and they get to bring it into the you know into their into their classroom while being supported by their coaches mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so they may get together with their coaches you know a couple of times a week oh no i tried this it didn't work great what'd you learn but not everything's gonna work there is no best practice right you have to bring part of your culture part of the students mm -hmm. and their experience it's their learning journey too. Exactly, it's awesome. You know, it, it reminds me uh, with this kind of 10, maybe 15 years that uh, I came in contact with some educators from Australia, that they were creating or they were already working on a framework named project-based learning. And it was a supportive thing for uh, for schools. So, so uh, what what is the core difference of what you are describing because it is extremely interesting and i have seen on my own eyes how effective is that sure so it's really not a comparing like an apple to an orange project-based learning is the equivalent to saying hey you know you're going to work on projects you're going to learn something or you might build something or you might you know support some system in government or part of the society or offer some service or other product but you're Gonna, it's going to be a project that you work on. And that's how we all work now, mm -hmm. right? Although there is a movement to get away from project to product, right? Mm -hmm. Focusing on that collective set of value that we're looking to deliver to a specific segment of society, right? And again, it's the value is not necessarily an injury. It could be an education. Hey, the value that we're giving to these students, to this society, to this community, to this city, to these parents, to these educators, to, you know, these businesses that operate there is well-educated and prepared students, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You know, so, you know, when you look at it, it's not really a comparison thing. Agility is just a way to get projects done. And actually we do, and the, the, the Agile Mind, what they actually put together is they do project-based learning, which is, hey, you have to now, as a student, go out and learn some things. You might have to discover that you need to practice new skills. You may need to practice those skills. Now, I want you to take that knowledge that you've learned 
those skills that you've kind of mastered or hopefully you can do them good enough, right? Like it's, that's not enough to be perfect. Now we want you to try to do this thing with me. And that's what project-based learning is. And so what agility or educational agility, and, and we actually have a series of workshops that we do project-based learning PBL plus A, where it also introduces the, the values and principles of agility, right? Collaboration, transparency, an openness to ideas and experience of others, right? That, you know, that community, right? Being and maintaining a level of integrity, right? The values that we want to see students learning because industry wants them and the world needs them, right? So you will take this project, but you will now do it as an you know, under the mindset of agility, educational agility, ideally in our world, right? Mm -hmm. But it's basically mastering six basic skills that you're going to need, right, to solve problems in any complex and adaptive world. That's amazing. But now uh, there is another question that is uh, coming up. My first experience with project-based learning was 10, 15 years before, but today we are here together and we are still talking, at least because you, on your side, you are working on uh, the situation in the educational system is the same. So why do you think after all these years and after the lessons that uh, the pandemic brought us, uh, sure. have the same situation here? You know, so it, it's true of VUCA is that what, you know, any level of VUCA, all it really does is expose mm -hmm. the problems doesn't really create problems, you know, unless it's like, you know, a tremendous amount of, you know, change. All of a sudden, you know, there's no oxygen. That would be a tremendous amount of, you know, change. that would significantly change the system. But, you know, over time, I mean, the earth has gone through those cycles, right? You know, there used to be much higher levels of oxygen. Insects used to be much bigger, right? We have the physical evidence of that. So, you know, if you, it just, uh, it's, and it always usually ends up being a, a matter of context, right? Like contextually, how much change are we talking about? Um, but in, in any event, right, what, what we really are striving for is to, you know, make sure that, you know, when these systems that have not really been challenged and have able have been able to go ahead and kind of tap into the business as usual model, right? Where they weren't so much focused on ensuring that the students, uh, you know, were getting the best experience, that the local community was getting the most prepared students for the challenges, but rather they were looking to check boxes. Right. And, you know, and so, you know, there was no real change that was really needed because they were always able to just throw more money at it. Mm. You know, globally, the amount of money that's spent on education, if you look at the amount of, you know, predictable and demonstrable value that it has delivered over the years, it'd go, why are we, is the world in the shape it's in? Right. Like that doesn't really make sense. Right. Um, you know, so when we talk about, you know, why is it that the pandemic may have done it? It's because it really did force us to, you know, we couldn't rely on the old systems, right? Teachers couldn't just be in a classroom for 40 minutes talking at students. 
it was no longer right. Like, you know, with, by having students at home, you could no longer, I mean, how are you going to know that a kid's not on one computer taking a test and on a phone looking up yeah. the Google answers, right? There's no way that you can manage that. Right. And so what you have to do is you have to go, Hey, we need some integrity in this, but we need it for you. We need you to commit to Right. And so, you know, I really do think that the pandemic just highlighted some significant challenges in the global education, as well as many of the local education systems. And, you know, now we're in the realization that, Oh, wait, uh, systems that were barely able to keep our heads afloat, mm there's no way that they're going to be able to rise us up from where we sunk down to. So we either have to change or we're going to drown. Mm. It's extremely interesting things. I, I had the realization by the first time that we talked together, but uh, there were more uh, in this episode. So if we could uh, sum up what, what is, uh, why are all these important to, to the modern teachers and the modern students? Sure. I, you know, even even looking broader beyond students who will be better prepared, you know, to get the jobs right that they need. Right. At the end of the day, students today are going to have to compete with each other for, you know, limited, well-paying jobs. And the jobs that are going to pay well are not the ones that have you be part of a system. Rather, they have you be one where every day you face a new challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's not about how well you can do on a standardized test, but rather how well you can apply your experiences, your adaptability, and your ability to test hypotheses and fail and learn and try again. Right? Um, you know, for teachers, it's going to transfer agency of learning over to the student, get them more involved early. We also have noticed that students learn more faster. So what normally took six weeks took four weeks. Oh, well, we could do other things, right? But even beyond that for the systems, right? They're able to start identifying and minimizing waste in their systems, which is going to allow them to just deliver more value for the money they're already spending. Mm -hmm. For society as a whole, right? better educated students kind of speaks for itself, right? They're going to be able to deal with these challenges better than I think our generation has been doing. I mean, we're trying, certainly, no doubt, right? But, you know, the, the capacity for, you know, empathy is not something that you learn in a competitive environment. Sorry, it's just, it's not built into that system. And the system is changing in a digital world because you no longer have scarcity of things. You now have an abundance of things. And if you don't have scarcity, you don't need the type of competition. If you have abundance, you need collaboration, right? So, and, you know, for industry, for governments, for the world as a whole, having students who are graduating with knowledge and skills and abilities, right, that allow them to deal with the unknown, to deal with, you know, volatility, to deal with uncertainty, to deal with change, right? To deal with everything that is involved in a VUCA world, right? That they don't just go, well, we've always done it this way. Let's just go to the plan. Hey, the plan 
The plan doesn't work as soon as you need to reach for the plan. What you need is the ability to assess the local context, to test various things, slowly make incremental change, and try to improve things locally, you know, through scientific approaches, you know, and models for, you know, testing theories. Okay, so... Who is your ideal customers? I mean, who has, uh, who will gain a benefit when uh, and if you will decide to contact with you? Sure. And so, you know, we we partner with a lot of organizations. We partner with schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we find that looking to go to teachers themselves is not really the right, like, oh, let's market to teachers because all of a sudden they have money to buy things. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how it is in Greece, but teachers are not well paid here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look at that consistency. Yay. Um, right. But right. So it's not fair to go ahead and, and ask them to pay for it. And at the end of the day, you know, as citizens of most companies, we pay some form of taxes, which ideally governments are going ahead and investing, you know, back into the into the country so that we can have sustainability and we can have innovation and we can have, you know, you know, less of the things that we all say we want, you know, less pollution, less hate, less, you know, less animosity, right? More, you know, for those of us who are science fiction fans and geeks, more like a Star Trek universe, right? Where, look, we all want to contribute something towards greater humanity. You may be an artist. Great. Go make art. You know, doesn't mean you should have to give up on some, you know, you know, fairly common sense things or that things should be put out of your reach for reason, right? Mm-hmm. There is no longer a scarcity, okay. right? There's an abundance. Mm-hmm. And so let's just keep making more and better. And that's what it is to live in a, in a digital economy and having people ready for that is, is key. And the way you get ready for, you know, you, the way you get knowledge workers ready is different than the way you get, you know, factory workers or assembly workers ready, right? For assembly workers, it's simple. Carrot, stick. Hey, if you work faster, we'll give you more money. If you don't meet these numbers, we're going to fire you, right? It's easy. People will, if they're cogs in the system, they'll move faster. But if they have to design better systems, that's not going to work. What works is, hey, here's, here's purpose. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to figure out a better way to recycle cell phones. Okay. Right? That's it. Here's the constraints that we have. What do you think you might need to learn, like practice, you know, get good at, and then start trying? And you don't have to come up with the whole thing. Just what do you think your first step is? Right? So when you think about all that, you know, it, it it's it becomes about a different set of things. It's purpose, it's autonomy, it's uh, access to knowledge, tools, and training. And then getting people who are not close to the problem out of the way and not telling people how to solve the problem. That's how you get knowledge workers motivated. Completely different. We need knowledge workers. Education systems need to prepare knowledge workers. We are very much carrot and stick. You get this grade or below, you fail, you come back. That's all stick. 
right? Don't talk in class. Put down your cell phone, right? Don't talk to your friend, right? No, do it this way. I don't care if you have a better way mm -hmm. to get to the same answer, right? And if you do well, hey, you're top of the class. You're 100. You get the scholarship to go on to the better school, right? You get that recognition. It doesn't work anymore. Okay. So uh, organizations, schools, and teachers are uh, those who can contact with you in order to streamline and to find solutions on the struggles yeah. that uh, may and, and we're also, I'm proud to say that we're, we've also started working with some government agencies. We've been invited by the uh, Ministry of Education uh, of the Taiwanese government to come out and put on every year they have a educational conference and mm -hmm. they've asked us if we would go ahead and put together a speaker's list and presentations and workshops to go ahead and put educational agility on display mm -hmm. for all of their teachers and we're actually in collaborations with a uh, college professor a professor out of uh, Tung Hai who teaches education in what it might look like to start including, you know, educational agility as part of the journey to become a teacher. Okay. That's right. Awesome. And yeah, so we, we also work with governments here locally. We work with local school districts. We also work with private school coalitions. So there really is a myriad. It's there's a lot of different ways that people can get engaged. And you are, uh, are you also working with uh, NGOs? with non-governmental organizations uh we uh have not started yet we do have a light partnership with a a, a a new charity organization here in the united states but they only operate here in in the united states and their primary focus is to ensure that you know education systems of any kind right whether mm -hmm. they're government or private or different you know that they get you know access to whether it's tools resources coach whatever that they might need in order to deliver that educational value awesome where someone can find all the information that uh, uh, of the things that uh, that you do Sure. Uh, you know, great place to find us is on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, we did. Uh, Leaf has a uh, you know a page on uh, on LinkedIn where we share a lot of uh, what's going on. You can find us on Facebook. Um, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, you know, but we always recommend that people go ahead and uh, check out our website at www.l-eaf.org. Um, where you can find out a little bit about our framework, our intent, what our vision, what our mission is for education and educational systems and the students, uh, you know, of the world to go ahead and really be able to, regardless of any constraint, so whether the constraint be, you know, uh, some countries are not as wealthy as other countries. Well, that's just the constraint, right? Okay. You know, we, you know, we can have, Coaches from, you know, wealthy countries get on digital, simple solutions like this, low cost, mm -hmm. right? And help teachers locally small. But the way we approach it is we prefer to plant little seeds. So we get people locally trained and we get them practiced in helping others, mm -hmm. you know, kind of something that we brought from industry, which is train the trainer model. 
We're going to teach you a simple way to go ahead and do this, right? We come up with approaches that, hey, if you have access to all the technology in the world and money's no object, do it like this. Hey, this is great. But you know what? If you don't, okay, do it, do it on a card. Hmm. Write it on the wall. Do yeah. it in dirt. It doesn't matter. Right? You're you're delivering the value of a visual learning system based on your constraints. And that is part of the mindset. Amazing. Amazing. Um three advices for teachers and another three for students. So for teachers, it would really be trust your students, right? They are more robust than you think, right? After doing agile transformations in industry and government for 20 years, whenever I would involve with get engaged with leaders and try to teach them some of these new ways of working and leading and managing, I would, without a doubt, I would generally at some point leave a meeting muttering to myself, it would be so much easier to teach this to a third grader, right? Because most of what we do in industry and government, when we introduce agile ways of working, 60, 70% of our time is unteaching people what they think they know, how systems work, even the systems that they run, <laughs> right? And you can tell that they have no idea because they use carrot and stick to try to motivate knowledge workers, bonuses, firings. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. And, and you know, hey, I haven't run a multi-billion dollar global industry, but you know what I do know how to do? Get teams of teams aligned on a small set of, you know, values, missions, a small trajectory heading in the same direction, getting them aligned, getting them focused, getting them the ability to identify and reduce waste in their local system. Because if the Toyota manufacturing system taught us anything, it's that if you localize the ability and you challenge the person who is local to that conduct, hey, you need to improve that. That's your important job here, not making cars. Cars come out of the system, right? It's magic. We don't know how that happens. We put metal in, cars come out. We yeah. need you to improve this part of it where this thing happens. And always keep in mind your customer and how it's going to make them feel. Good. And what about the students? So for students, it don't be afraid, right? You know, don't, don't be afraid to you know, take charge. I would also tell students, and I do tell students this now, um, is that when you are dealing in a, and living in a VUCA world, expertise really has very little value, right? Being an expert in how to do a thing a specific way, that, that, that's, that provides no real value anymore because you no longer get to do that way the next, that same thing, the same way the next day. You have to somehow figure out a new way to do it. But I always do it this way. Right, but you can't do it that way anymore. Oh, yes. Something has changed in the environment. 
And now you must find a new way to do it. Oh, and by the way, there's this other company over here. They figured out a way to do something that takes us, you know, takes us 15 hours to get done. They figured out how to do it in 34 seconds. Just saying, if we care about money, <laughs> right? <laughs> we pay for all of those hours. They only pay for set, right? You know, so don't be afraid. Don't, don't, don't be afraid to challenge things that are, have always been done that way. If you think you have a better way to do something, try it. Don't awesome. be afraid to fail. Awesome. Awesome. Right? And you know what? The last thing we tell students is, hey, it's no longer a competition it's a team sport now mm. and you have to learn how to play with a team and you may not look like everybody on your team you may not pray like everybody on your team you may not eat like everybody on your team you may not be from where everybody on your team is from but as a team you have a shared and common set of goals and objectives and you better figure out as a team how best to achieve that. And you might have to give up all the things that you think are important about all the things we just talked about that you have not in common with your team members. That's so awesome. Uh, taking under consideration that uh, we as adults, we are now struggling with all these frameworks with the things like teamwork and the competitiveness and all that stuff. So yeah. It, it, it is obvious, at least to me, and uh, it seems to you too, that uh, putting in charge the, the younger generation will be much more effective and uh, also uh, productive, as you previously said. That they are yeah, well, we can either prepare them or not. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, it's really that simple. We can either get them ready because we know that the world is not predictable anymore. Jeff, that was an amazing episode. Thank you very, very much for being here today with us. Ladies and gentlemen, information about Jeff, the website and all their social media down to the comments. Uh, Jeff, uh, something to close the episode? Uh, you know what? We invite the educational community of Greece to join us. We have, you can find it on our website. We have an open invitation for teachers who want to get together and talk about their challenges and things that other teachers are finding. LEAF is very much community-based, right? What, what in the digital world is the equivalent in the world of knowledge is the sharing of knowledge knowledge gets better the more you share it it is an abundance thing and so we invite you to join our community and you know we are looking for anybody who is interested in trying something that has been proven to work everywhere it's been tried to start looking at ways to do it just in your local community awesome the VUCA Leadership Project is on your side and fully supportive. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here for another episode. See you to the next one. Bye-bye.